0: Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast, a show for accountants using technology to make their jobs more strategic and impactful. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. So, David, how's Sydney?
1: It's early, uh, 4.30 in the morning, you know, getting up. That's dedication to this podcast, so we could record this this morning for me.
0: Wow, that is impressive. Uh, I imagine you still have jet lag. When did you get there?
1: This is where it gets very confusing to me. So I got here Thursday morning, 7 a.m. Sydney time. So, but i left my house 24 hours before that, Tucson time. So it was like 25 hours of travel. Um, so I'm still, I'm not, wasn't foggy yesterday. The day before I was pretty foggy. So what are you doing in Sydney? So came all here for QuickBooks connect, which is next Thursday. But this weekend, actually this morning, we are doing the hackathon. Oh, what's that? So what we'll do is we'll have um, developers in the Sydney region will come in. We're actually hosting it at the Intuit office, which is really cool. So they'll come in and we'll have about 100 to 120 uh, engineers, product managers, developers, entrepreneurs will come together. Some will have teams already. Some will form teams. They'll come together and they'll... Code, so not hack in that bad sense of the word. I know, like, other there's that word hack, right? But really, hackathon really is the spirit of building things, hacking something, something together in a short amount of time. So we'll have about 25 hours to build a solution for small business. And we bring in some partners, so like we uh, basically we have QuickBooks and then PayPal, Google, and um, Telstra. Telstra is, from what I can tell, is like the AT and T or Comcast. Or T-Mobile all put together type company here. And so there's going to be hardware for them to build on. And all we ask is they build a solution. Then at the end of the day on Sunday, all the teams pitch their ideas and the winner takes home $5,000. And it's just a good way for um, developers to get familiar with these APIs, but it's really a good way for us to just get developers thinking about small businesses, right? I think in most cases, people aren't Most hackathons, it's all about the coolest technology or the coolest this, um, most unique this. And this is really about like, hey, small businesses exist and they have zillions of problems. Can you try to solve them?
0: That's great. Well, it's appropriate that you're in Australia because my first story today comes out of Australia. Microsoft, the Commonwealth Bank of Australia and KPMG Australia have announced partnering to deliver a new small and medium sized enterprise focused joint venture Called Wise. That's Wise, spelled with two eyes. It's a it's an interesting story. This article appeared in ZDNet, and there's been a bunch of follow up on Digital First, and I'll post both of those links in the show notes. Basically, Wise is accounting software, and it appears uh, that it's going to be somewhat like an ERP, maybe a lightweight ERP that competes with NetSuite it's fascinating to me that KPMG is getting into the business of creating software. It's going to launch, or at least according to the article, it's going to launch in July 2018. Although uh, we went to the, you went to the website uh, for that domain, right, David? And there's nothing there yet.
1: Yeah, I kind of Googled around. There's definitely an accountant in Australia that has Wise is their uh, accounting firm name. And there's another website that has Wise with a two with two eyes in it like that but for i could tell for somebody that for a product that's launching what did it say in the article july of 2018 july. so that's like in 40 days to not have a website up <laughs> is a little interesting to me
0: it's a bit surprising uh we'll we'll see you know, a lot of these announcements come out of the big four and of course nothing ever happens i've i've been hearing uh, similar types of announcements about blockchain for a long time and, and nothing ever happens so We'll see if this software ever actually gets off the ground. It should be interesting if it does. It appears that it is a... They're not building it from scratch. It is uh, based on Microsoft's software. I think it is based on Microsoft Financials for Office 365. It's uh, some sort of adaptation of that. So they're not starting from scratch.
1: Yeah, it looks like they uh, they got the idea because they acquired a systems implementer hands on systems and it looks like going to their website they did a lot of um logistic stuff inventory, fleet tracking, so they probably have integrated with lots of accounting systems, so they 've probably built up some sort of expertise, and so the conversations probably went from there. Uh, I think this is going to have to go in on one of those like hey let 's put this in the to watch bucket right mm-hmm. see so see let's let's let 's revisit this in July and see see what exists as uh, the language is very dreamy it 's like this is in quotes as their description: end-to-end integrated cloud-based business management solution. Like the only thing they, they're missing is blockchain. <laughs> like they, they catch all <laughs> the other
0: key words. So. Yep, and and I found it. It is uh, b- built on Microsoft Dynamics 365 Business Central, which is itself a new SaaS platform that has an interface similar to the Office 365 suite. So this is actually not new software; it's an adapted version of Dynamics. Um, Uh, So take that, you know, for what it is. So it sounds like
1: maybe Uh, it's Microsoft entering the Australian market with Dynamics.
0: Yeah. And well, and I'm kind of, I'm skeptical about KPMG's involvement because I've never seen a services company that successfully built software and managed to do both a good service and a good software. It's kind of, you know, software as a service or a service as a service. I've never seen anyone figure out how to do it the other way around or combine the two. And it it makes me question KPMG's consulting business, are they going to now, I mean, obviously they're now going to be selling this WISE ERP system and selling against other ERPs. And how does that impact their objectivity and independence if they are financially benefiting uh, from software that they own that they're selling? I, I would be skeptical as a client of KPMG. If if they were recommending this software to me,
1: yeah, I think those lines are definitely gray, and I think it's 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 a, it's a big concern at big firms, right? But I think that's even at smaller uh, independent bookkeepers, right? They're they're they, they might not own a stake in one of these companies, but once they're kind of loyal to something, they're going to recommend the one they, that benefits them personally.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, when I had my own firm, I was a zero partner, and but we were very upfront about the fact that we only recommended, or we only used zero, and that was simply for the ability for us to scale as a small firm. Yep. We couldn't be experts in more than one accounting software. So I think that if KPMG is going to do this, they have to be very upfront about their stake in it with their customers. But knowing the ethics um, issues that the big four have had in the past, I'm not that confident that they will be completely transparent.
1: Do you think that like, the big four might align technology-wise where, hey, if you want to be a Microsoft person, you kind of need to go with KPNG. And if you want to be on NetSuite, you may want to think about going with somebody else, right? And like, they're going to kind of get in bed and align with a system going forward.
0: Well, the thing is, they're so big. I don't see how they can possibly do that, right? The, the You know, when I had my own small firm, I could do, I could specialize in one piece of software because I could say, well, if this isn't the right fit for you, here's another firm that does the other software. But... But with the big four, you know, there's only four of them. It would be very difficult to do that. And I I doubt they'd want to give up the revenue. So I think this is going to create some conflicts.
1: Interesting. I think we'll have to, uh, uh, me being here this week, I'll see if I hear anything. But uh,
0: (laughs) yeah, we'll we'll see if I hear any rumblings. I think the, the big potential is for the bank to be involved because that's always been one of the big hassles with accounting software is getting those bank feeds to work properly or... I mean, it would be really cool if a lot of the bill pay features were completely integrated with the bank. So that that could be a winner. But then again, as the developer of the software, you're going up against a very slow moving organization with pretty much any bank. So we'll see how quickly the advanced features actually get built into the platform. So, David, uh, what's new uh, on your side of the pond? Um, I
1: So yesterday... I think this was yesterday or two days ago, or maybe it's in the future because I'm here. Um, It's Saturday, not Friday. So I'm a little confused when this took place. But PayPal is uh, making their largest acquisition. They're buying uh, another payments company called iZettle, I-Z-E-T-T-L-E for $2.2 billion in cash.
0: Whoa, that's a lot of money.
1: Yeah, and apparently they, the article was talking about they've been speaking for years. So it wasn't like this is like they woke up one day and decided to do this. They, they've been keeping an eye on iZettle for years. And I think the impact for us, like, you know, in our space is it's really, iZettle has a lot of established, they're, they're similar to a Square product, right? So point of sale, they have swipe, little terminals, right? But they really have it in a lot of markets where somebody like PayPal isn't. So they're in the Brazil's, Mexico, Spain, Sweden, the Netherlands, Italy. So all these other countries that are really they're not even emergency mar- emerging markets, they're growing markets. But you know, as Square focused on the states or North America, they just haven't entered those markets, right? Or PayPal hasn't entered those markets. So it's almost setting up this new battleground, like all the, this next round of countries, right? And as payments moves move into the, these countries. That means these the, a lot of these um, small businesses in these other countries are now going to be on cloud. They're now doing electronic payments or electronic point of sale, and the natural fit is: what else are they going to need to do? Well, cloud accounting is probably next.
0: Have you have you run into a lot of uh, or really any businesses in the US using PayPal for their point of sale? I really don't see it.
1: Very rare. Very. One or two, it's very rare. And then I keep, I, every time I go to any place, I always look over the counter and check out the point of sales, check how they're what they're using for payments. Yes, uh, I think it's very rare for me to just run into somebody using um, PayPal, Shopify's point of sale. Um, you don't really just see them very often.
0: I see Square all the time yes. in LA. Yes, And actually, I, I, I stand corrected. So I do, see, I do see PayPal more than I thought. It's just not called PayPal. They own Braintree and Venmo. Everybody in our office, it's a very young office here at Flowcast, uh, uses Venmo to, to send each other money. So
1: Yeah, so, so so for non-point of sale, PayPal is a huge footprint. You 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 probably donate money on PayPal. You pay for things with PayPal. A lot of people are using PayPal for stuff they do in their browser or on their phone. Mm-hmm. But physically paying, right. you, like you go to a food truck, yeah, you hardly ever see PayPal there. PayPal has yeah. a little swiper, like a square, a little triangle swiper and but there's that it's oh, yeah. been a struggle that
0: jump you know what i remember now um the last time i saw paypal at a point of sale was at home depot you can actually log into your paypal account at the register at home depot and pay that way i've never seen anyone do it i've never done it myself but it's always there whenever i go
1: i think i actually tried to do it once because i did not have my wallet and i was at home depot once and i think i've done it so you can yeah so you can pay but it wasn't pay. it was almost like PayPal integrated with that point of sale system, or that point of sale system integrated with PayPal. It's not truly like a PayPal point of sale, right? And so I think this IZettle thing is going to give PayPal a true point of sale system, right? They're they're at the front line of that, and which will be interesting. Um, It's just going to open this all these new new markets, right? And so if you're a cloud Mm -hmm. accountant, and if if you now can take clients in Finland because they're going to be using cloud point of sales. And then that point of sale and payments has to tie to a cloud accounting system eventually. So it's just, it's going to really open it up for everybody, the whole entire market. Interesting. What, what else do we got? The only other thing I'd add to this is I think I saw last week, like some merchant service, right? And point of sale, as I think I saw a week ago, a note that Amazon apparently is really wanting to get into this space with Amazon payments. And so mm-hmm. I think they're like, they want to come in and they're going to offer like uh, small businesses only a 1% fee. Wow, that's really low. There's the existing merchant account service, and everybody's familiar with that. But if you start thinking about like the Amazons or Google or Apple, who because Apple just announced they have a credit card, they're going to make right. Right now, they have to charge a percentage of the transaction because it's just somebody has to pay for this to exist. But they can't go lower on the price really. But if you could offset the price because of search, for example, you have an OK Google or you have an Alexa. Where you have a Siri, and I say, Siri, where's the nearest Chinese food restaurant? And so now you can tie search all the way down to the payment. You can actually charge the merchant less fees because you're going to make money on those search terms. Oh, right? got so it. So you could, you could see this getting disrupted by Google, Amazon, and Apple, really, the, the, the merchant service
0: yep. long-term. Well, and to put, give some perspective to this for those who aren't familiar with merchant service rates, Typically, if you're a business, small business, you're paying 2 to 3%, sometimes more than 3% on every single credit card charge. And Square, in particular, was very innovative in standardizing it at 2.75% for every single charge. And they made it much less complex than it had been. It used to be that with your merchant provider, you had no idea how much you were paying because there were all sorts of different tiers. It was very complex and people got ripped off a lot. So, between 2 and 3% has been sort of the standard in the last, what, five years, maybe 10 years even. And if it goes down below 2%, that's great for small businesses, but it's going to be tough for Square to compete. It'll be tough if, if Amazon decides to undercut them that way. I mean, maybe maybe we see eventually credit card processing drive towards 0% as these processors find other ways to make money.
1: Yeah, because I think they, ultimately, most small businesses, none of them love paying merchant fees, right? It's a cost to do business. They just have to, they don't have a choice. They're kind of held hostage
0: a little bit, right? And so this- Well, you can, you can not take credit cards, but you're, you're really shooting yourself in the foot if you do that.
1: Yeah, and so the second somebody comes along and says, hey, we're only gonna charge 1% or we're gonna charge zero. That small business owner is gonna hang us, just like a lot of small business owners will be like, hey, there's a discount if you pay cash. They're gonna hang a sign up in the store that says, hey, there's a discount if you pay with Google or you pay with Apple- or you pay with Amazon mm-hmm. because they're they're charging me less. I'm going to pass that on, right, to encourage. So you could see a, a quick adoption curve switch. But it, it, this this pay, you know, this merchant service and the payments
0: game, it's it's definitely in flux. This is interesting to me because one of the arguments about uh, and I. Sorry to do this for a second episode in a row, but I have to bring up blockchain. <laughs> um, <one> of, <laughs> every every week, every week. <laughs> one of the arguments about cryptocurrency uh, replacing cash is is merchant fees and transaction fees on uh, sending money around, and especially consumer payments. And if credit card payments end up getting um, absorbed into, say, larger companies, and they're subsidizing these fees, and uh, for whatever reason, then there really won't be a need for or an incentive for small businesses to adopt cryptocurrency, to take it. Because one of the arguments is, well, you don't have to pay those merchant fees if you do it. So I think that could really undercut the whole idea of, I'm skeptical of it anyway, of, of consumers actually using cryptocurrency in regular day-to-day life. The cheaper merchant fees get, the less likely that is to happen.
1: No, I fully agree. And it's because it, we have a working currency already. I could see maybe in some countries where maybe there isn't a very stable or good working currency, Right, that being bypassed, but I think in the you know in established places, if there's a good working currency, free yes is is attractive, but free with customers that are want that have to pay it, right? And I think a small business owner knows, oh, all those people have iPhones, they can pay me, and I don't have to charge them a fee. I, I don't have to pay two and a half percent. Okay, I'm going to let people with iPhones pay me using their their Apple account.
0: Well, David, that's all the time we've got for today. I'm looking forward to chatting with you next Friday. Will you be back in the States or will you still be in Australia? Uh, next Friday, believe it or not,
1: I will be in between flights to the LAX
0: airport. So if you'd like to meet me over there, we could do this live in person together. <laughs> you know, as much as I love the airport in Los Angeles, I think I might have to pass. All right, it's your loss. It's definitely your loss on this one. <laughs> just, just tell Elon Musk that he needs to um, build a tunnel. Get his get his boring company going and, and build that tunnel that he's promised to from the west side to LAX, and then maybe I'll maybe I'll come visit. And do you have any big plans this week? Uh, this this weekend or this week? Um, well, uh, at Flowcast we're doing a webinar on Excel tips and tricks for accountants. I will put that uh, link in the show notes as well. If you're interested in brushing up on your Excel skills, we've got a great guy, Jim Klein. He calls himself the excel ceo and that's on uh tuesday and thursday at i think it's 11 a.m pacific and you can get two cpe credits for attending those webinars for excel nice it's it's it's, it's the product everybody still loves to love like it just forever you know it's been around for what 20 30 years now and it's better than ever actually uh We'll talk about this next episode, but they're uh, adding JavaScript into Excel. So now you can do even more cool things with it.
1: Perfect. Hey, uh, I think it's time to go. I need to go rehearse and get ready to kick off the hackathon in a couple hours. I'm sure people are outside queuing up as we speak. Have fun.
0: Awesome. Talk to you soon. Talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.